I'm Chris Doolin, and you're listening to Discussing Trek. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek Discovery podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS All Access series. And when I say series, that includes Star Trek Discovery and the upcoming Star Trek Picard, Lower Decks. We just got so many, the short treks. Today, we're going to be talking about the 16th episode of Season 2, Star Trek The Next Generation, entitled Q. As we continue our discussing Picard series, which we will be covering and have covered Conspiracy, Q Who, as well as Samaritan Snare, Best of Both Worlds Part 1 and 2, Family, The Drumhead, Borg, Tapestry, and All Good Things. Like always, I'm your host Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Trek story himself, Jonathan Torres. How you doing, man? Uh, doing great, man. Doing great. I actually just watched this episode probably a couple hours ago. And it was, to me, it was actually <laughs> a pretty good episode. So uh, it got me into some TNG nostalgia here. All right. Fresh on the freaking brain. Also on the podcast, we have the historian Cal Jones. How you doing, man? You know what? I'm going to one up Jonathan a little bit because I didn't get to watch this episode until about seven ten. I watched the first 20 minutes of it last night and didn't get home until late. So it is literally fresh on my brain. And I forgot how much I enjoyed Guinan. And this was I'm, I'm excited to talk about this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What about you? Uh, how are you? What's going on with you? As always, I'm doing good, man. I'm glad to be on another episode of Discussing Trek. What we do here on this podcast, guys, is review each and every episode of Star Trek Discovery and hopefully Star Trek Picard in the future and all things Trek uh, in somewhat excessive detail. If you like this show, please tell a friend and subscribe. Make sure you subscribe to the feed so you do not miss an episode. You know, we had Star Trek Las Vegas this past weekend, but I don't. I didn't really see any huge news coming out of it. We got some book announcements. We got the announcement of an upcoming season two box set, as well as a uh, a, a Picard box set, uh, Blu-ray DVD box set coming out. But I'm going to have to dig into it a little bit more. Um, but I didn't see any huge news coming out of it. So maybe I'll bring back a recap maybe later on this week or next week to maybe talk about some of the news coming out of there because I, I really just see anything just jumped out at me did you guys see anything that kind of jumped out at you guys as well i didn't i you know i'm still head over heels and totally into all the things that we saw out of comic-con so i personally haven't seen anything yeah neither of us yeah i think they kind of like uh shot their load at <laughs> Oh, bad phrasing. <laughs> I I think they kind of, you know, went over the top at San Diego Comic-Con. So the news coming out of uh, Star Trek, Los, the Star Trek convention in Las Vegas really wasn't huge. But again, I'm going to go back and I'm reading some of the details and see if I can pull anything out that might be inter- interesting. So definitely going to do that. But guys, I think we're ready to get into our review of Q Who. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle station. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprang something. So Star Trek The Next Generation Q Who. 
review, uh, which is going to be season two, episode 16. It's part of our discussing Picard series, which originally aired on May 8th, 1989. So guys, we are ready to get in this review. Let's just get the high level overarching view of what you think of this episode. And I'm going to start with the Trek story himself. John, hi, hi, how, how did you like this episode, man? I, I, I really like this episode. Uh, there's some minor issues, but overall it was a great episode and it kind of featured in as Cal mentioned earlier on Guinan, which is I think most people's mysterious love affair for TNG. So, uh, I, I think there's a lot in it. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. We're definitely ready to peel back the layers a little bit and see how, how we loved it and maybe things we didn't like as much. Cal, what, what did you think? What did you think? What is your view of this episode? You know, this season, season two, is not one that I go back and watch often. And actually, I would say it would be the most non-watched season for me personally. So having said that, I really, really totally freaking enjoyed this episode. I had forgotten that it was in this season that we first met the Borg. And you put in Guinan in there. You had Q in there, which I was always fascinated by him. I had fun watching this. I, I really enjoyed it. So what about you? How, how did you enjoy it? I think this ev- episode speaks to the overly optimistic view of what we think the Federation embodies. And Picard is the, is an embodiment of, of that in this episode. I think that's why this is part of this discussing Picard series, because this episode shows uh, Picard's unwavering optimism to go out there and venture out, you know, deep <laughs> into the unknown and discover and explore. And of course, they think that they are ready and well equipped to defend, uh, make first contact, engage with any civilization or alien species that they come across. But what Q demonstrates to Picard in his unwavering optimism is that maybe they're not as ready as they think. And we get an introduction to a very uh, iconic um, alien in this episode, alien species in this episode that will reverberate throughout the rest of maybe not DS9 so much, but definitely uh, Voyager and we see some of it in Enterprise and definitely the movies and a little bit, just a tiny bit in Discovery, I guess. So, well, let me just frame my next question here. So we know this is the first appearance of the Borg in Star Trek Allure. This is the beginning. This is where we see the inception of most of the ideas. How do we compare this to what we think may have been Borg-ish things that we saw in the last series of Discovery, season two of Discovery. Kyle, what do you think about that? All right. So I'm trying to remember what in. Oh, yes, 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 yes. <clears throat> now, ding, light bulb came on just as I was saying that. I, I was thinking in season two of Discovery that that was all about the Borg. But now knowing that they were so far away or remembering that they were so far away. It makes me want to question how tied together those two things really are. So I, I'm not sure. I, I don't, I don't know the, 
right answer to that question. I do know that I enjoyed, you know, seeing them in, in their first appearance or in the conception, because sort of like what we said when we watched Un Unearthly Child for Discussing Who, we're seeing all the things we come to know as Borg. They laid the groundwork in that in this episode that we're watching. Certainly, certainly. John, what do you think about the possible and again, I'll uh, reiterate possible ties because we didn't get anything definite from the season two of Star Trek Discovery. We kind of got glimpses and ties of what possibly could have maybe possibly been the beginnings of the Borg. Um, how do you think that how do you view that in relation to this, uh, as Cal put it, the introductory episode to to everything we know of what the Borg is and going to be? Hmm. You know, I, I, I never, I've not once thought about it while I was watching this episode, but now that you bring it up, I still think it's plausible and discovery. We have a lot of, I know, I know as Kyle said, because of the distance, it kind of makes it a little hard, but I mean, discovery, we're dealing with a lot of time travel and like just we got the spore drive taking us places we've never gone before, which we hadn't seen much of lately. But I, I, I think it still could be possible. Like maybe humans, well, not humans, maybe Starfleet started this. Who knows? And if am I remembering correctly that they uh, Q pushes them two thousand light years away from their original location, or was it twenty thousand? I'm not really sure. I just know it was like two and a half years yeah, to get back where years. they were so, going. Yeah, so it must have been 2000, which isn't very far if you think about it, that they can get Ooh. back to their original location in two years. So it is possible that maybe some of the things <clears throat> that we thought were Borg in season two of Star Trek Discovery could eventually, you know, um, evolve into what we know of the Borg. Maybe some part of Leland gets uh, marooned to sun you know, not too distant part of the galaxy and right. it starts to build upon itself and eventually form what we know of the Borg. I think that'd be an interesting thing to explore. Um, obviously you can also think of it in a sense of, um, and I'm thinking, trying to think of back to the events of first contact on how we had the Borg there as well. So I don't know. I guess there's quite a few ways it can play into their origins. But still, I would I would love to maybe see in a short trick or something an explanation of what happens, what truly happens to Leland. I guess he was destroyed by what the the um, spore spore chamber in Discovery, which, you know, didn't feel very fulfilling to me at the time. And the way these nanobots operate, it's not with them within. It's not beyond the realm of possibility that some fragment of that could have survived so i don't know i don't know that i just thought about that as i watched this episode yeah. because again like we didn't get clear explanation that if it was the borg or not but they certainly hinted hard at some of the aspects of what we know of the borg but you know what just listening to the two of you speak just now you did a very good job of disseminating or dismembering or just not just remembering dismantling my theory of this the space you know being too far with jonathan saying what he did about you know having the spore drive and clarence what you just said about the spore drive being what he, the 
entity that we saw in series uh, two of Star Trek Discovery being, you know, destroyed. What if he really wasn't destroyed? What if he took over some of the spore drives and transported into the quadrant to where the Borg started? That's plausible. Yeah. Also plausible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Come on. We need a short track for this stuff, guys. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be awesome. Oh, man. So we open the episode with young Ensign Sonia Gomez being very, very courteous uh, to a food replicator. Uh, did anybody get Amazon Echo vibes here? And uh, <laughs> I hear I hear talks about people uh, telling their kids to be a light to polite to their uh, voice assistants. Did, did anybody get Echo slash Siri vibes on this first part here? No, no, mm. not at all. I have Siri. So, you know, people aren't usually nice to Siri. Do you say, uh, thank you, Siri. Thank you. I just thought it was funny how I've heard stories recently about people telling their kids to be polite to their, uh, uh, voice assistants. And we see Miss Gomez here being very polite to a replicator, which I just thought was fun. And then the obvious bit here where she kind of, um, you know, spills hot chocolate on Picard, uh, it was just freaking hilarious. Um, so I got a question. Okay, go why, for it. Why would there be a food replicator in engineering? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hence, Georgia LaForge getting upset that she has a hot chocolate in engineering. <laughs> what the heck, man? I guess engineers get hungry, too. I don't know. I guess. I mean, there's no water fountains. So. <laughs> yeah. and, and obviously, we don't see much of Gomez in the rest of this episode. But if you've seen the following episodes, they kind of set her up to be more of a prominent figure in the next few episodes. Uh, I'm not going to say what happens to her, but she is prominent for a few more episodes. So that's kind of the setup they're going through for this character, which I She's like. Rich, her. Yeah, which I like. Uh, again, like some of the things I complain about Discovery is when they introduce something and immediately resolve that issue. But here we see they're setting up something a few episodes early, maybe even just one episode early where, uh, you know, soon we're going to see a resolution to that character. But they then didn't just throw it to us on the same episode and which they do that also. So I don't know. I, I enjoyed the introduction of this character. The only person that is more of a nervous wreck than Harry Kim. Yes or no? Mm, absolutely <laughs> yeah yes. I mean, she, she makes harry kim look like you know some uh meditating sensei or something <laughs> <laughs> oh boy yeah we see so um uh, before i just speak about q being back which q is back of course the name of the episode is q who uh uh, uh, uh guidance peter tingle is activated uh, and also chancellor <laughs> troy's you know, does anybody really understand the mystery of Guinan? We know little things about her race and we get a lot more in this episode. But do we ever throughout all of Trek get a clear sense of who she really is? And you not. not. And you know what? If you th- this made me remember something. Guinan for Star Trek The Next Generation was my river song of Star Trek The Next Generation. Really? Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Mm. And would you care to elaborate on that just a bit? Sure. This For the simple fact of River being a mystery, and so too was Guinan a mystery. I've always liked Whoopi Goldberg as an actress, so that was, you know, even before, you know, Guinan came about. But it, that being said, the... Oh, you know, like she always acted like or portrayed the character or the character of Guinan always acted like 
She was one step ahead of you and she knew just a little bit more than, but that she wasn't saying either for your own good or for her own protection. You weren't sure. I just love the whole mystery about her. Yeah. And of course we do get a lot more information about Guinan. Um, uh, Star Trek generations, the movie, we get a little bit more. Um, she is in the nexus. Um, so there is more information about her that we do eventually get, but I think this episode is a good introduction into maybe not <laughs> details of her uh, specifically, but we do get details of her race and we know why she fears. Maybe not, maybe not why the Q fear her or she fears the Q, but we do get a sense of why she fears um the borg all right so um getting into that we we know that q is back and he kidnaps picard takes him to a shuttle and they go off way way away from the ship uh picard isn't really into playing q's games he's not just he's not having it uh and and uh eventually q brings him back to the ship and the reason I want to kind of outline this part of uh, the episode is that they come back to 10 forward. And the reason is Guinan's resolve and uh, bravado against Q. I mean, he's a Q. He can do <laughs> anything. Yet we see Guinan in this cat-like pose ready to defend herself. I'm holding up. Question marks, uh, quotes here, ready to defend. So, yeah, like <laughs> that was my whole thought process in that. Like, she has some, she has a capability we don't know about, and she was all ready to use it. Like, it was the one moment I wish Captain Picard was not part of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, and that's the only one hell because there was going to be a fight, and Q knew that. I yeah. mean, he was like behind the, the little rafter thingy, little whatever that was. With his hand out, like he's going to defend himself, and she's like on attack mode, like so. Obviously, he knows she's dangerous, but how? I mean, what's dangerous to a Q? Hmm. I, I don't know, man. Apparently, she was ready. I mean, I guess we never get a resolution on what she may have done, but they definitely played it up like she had the ability to do something. Uh, now, to, to my him. next question. Though I'm sorry to interrupt, but my next question is if she's that dangerous to a Q, why couldn't they defend herself against the Borg? Hmm. Well, good question. Good question. Um, who knows? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know how, how to answer that one. Uh, how about how how about this? Let me pose this. Maybe whatever it is that Guinan can do or possibly is not something that all members of her race can do. So she may be a different subset or something, maybe whatever powers she has, not everyone in her race has the ability or her species has the ability to do. And we know that she's been around for a long time. We even know if you look in the future and again, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but she was in the nexus really chronologically before she was on TNG, right? Am I even getting right. it right? Yeah, I think right. so. Yeah, so yeah. who who You're knows right. what power she has that are that are outside of her normal race? I don't know. And he does. I mean, Q does say, you know, she's not this creature is not who you think it is, and he calls her an imp, which yeah. is the first time I've heard that. 
Hmm. Which and I found. I have not been able to find anything on an imp. Well, I've always seen an imp as like this, you know, it, uh, mischievous type creature, and I thought it was like the old, um, the old saying, you know, the pot calling the kettle black or something. You've got Q, who is a very impish character in himself, very mischievous, calling someone else that's <laughs> acting not mischievous. An imp. I just thought that was yeah. very interesting choice of words to use. Yeah, I just found it highly fascinating that these two characters, one very mysterious and obviously one godlike, having a shared past, which you would have never thought of <laughs> on the face of it. Never. Yeah, but, that was pretty cool. But still very fun and, and very interesting. So uh, I have a uh, tidbit of information while we're on God and I just kind of started. I mean, this episode made me research some things. So I found this and I didn't know. In the. Uh, la, 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 la. There's a novel called Oblivion about the Stargazer, which is Picard's first ship. Yes. And it has a storyline in it which includes Picard. It's their first time they, they ever met each other. Picard and Guining are confronting. Enumber and Tane, who is Garrick's father from D- DS9. Wow. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go back and read that. That seems interesting. Yeah, that sounds very interesting. Cool. Cool. So we see Q posing to want to be a member of the Q, which is, this is, you know, Picard's not going to play his game. And then again, like we talked about up top, Picard's uh, optimism about Starfleet and and the Federation and their abilities. And, you know, Q's not so sure. He's not convinced at all. And, you know, he flings the Enterprise to uh, a few light years away to see what they're really made of. Not now, again, I, I want to go back to Guinan because Guinan is like the, she pl- actually, she plays the role of Troy in this episode, Counselor Troy, in a sense where she's like giving advice to the captain. But weird enough to me, it seems like every time she gives a piece of valuable advice to the captain, don't engage the Borg. We need to leave now. Go fast. as We can. He never listens to her and he's still. And again, I think this is why this may be one of the, the, the seminal Picard episodes is that he continues to act with this, uh, bravado, I guess that, you know, we are Starfleet and there's nothing that we can't overcome. And now, first of all, do we think Guinan was maybe a little too calm in her, uh, expression of the you seriousness of the Borg? Mm, I don't. I think that was right in character for her because I just think that's again, the mysteriousness she's telling them what, you know, I see it. Well, I know I'm jumping around here, but I see her as more of a grandmother type figure saying, I'm telling you something, but you're going to either have to do it or you're going to have to learn on your own and learn from your mistakes. You can either do what I say or learn the hard way. And sometimes Bacard being the petulant child per se has to learn the hard way. Yes, yeah, like an arrogant teenager of sorts. <laughs> and I, I, I agree with you, Gal, 100%. It's, I kind of took that as 
like to me that was like a a bit much for gun and like she's the listener like she never really just forces anything on anybody i've never heard her like give anyone direct advice like say you should do this or you shouldn't do this has always been a like a conversation where all of a sudden you realize you're telling yourself what to do because you're talking to her. So for her to just come out and say, don't do this. I think that was very aggressive for. Yeah. And again, despite the warnings from God and Picard wants to explore. And I'm just like, why, why, why? So Cal, you made a good point earlier about some of the, um, roots or the building blocks on everything that we know of the board going forward. Now, I don't think we heard the famous uh, resistance is futile in this episode, but we did see a lot of things that, you know, I see echoed many, many years later, even in uh, Voyager. Then the, the scene on the ship where the Borg enters Worf disables the Borg at the, you know, another security guard gets thrown across the room. And, you know, just such a good idea right here early on that reverberates throughout the board going forward is these <laughs> modulating shields that we see. I mean, we see that within the first few minutes of seeing an actual Borg on screen. I mean, what do you guys think of some of those building blocks? Maybe not the modulating shield, but maybe speak to the ship itself or some of the, the alcoves or some of the other building blocks that we see in this episode that we uh, see going forward. Mm. I, I'll, t- I'll take that. I like the fact of how well it was done. I mean, I know as technology progressed, so did how the Borg looked and how you know advanced they were. But if you look at the Borg in that episode, fundamentally from the look of the Borg drone as well as to the Borg ship, Yes, some of there may may have been more flashing lights and moving parts, but the basics were all there, and they looked pr- pretty darn good, in my opinion. Uh, one thing that really impressed me was when they showed a scene of the when they were on the ship, and it's like you're looking out into a glass area. And at first, I thought it was going to be you were going to be looking out into space, but in reality, you were looking at all of these. R- rows of Borg that just go unending looking like, and I'm thinking, sitting there thinking, wow, imagine how many people are aboard that one ship that they have captured and assimilated. Yeah. Yeah. So that really impressed me. Hmm. So, yeah, I, 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 I agree with you that it was, the story has been continued through Star Trek for a while. And it has been consistent. A couple of things that bothered me, not big things, but so the board that was in engineering collecting information, well, both of them, actually, they I don't know if you guys noticed, like they kind of while they were doing their thing, they kind of looked over at them. Yeah. Kind of like you can't stop me. It, it was just very personal for a board. And you never really see that. I don't know if that was intentional writing, like did that supposed to convey a message to us? I'm not sure, but I wasn't expecting that. You know what I mean? Like usually, like if you're not a threat, they they don't notice you're there. Yeah. Um, I was surprised about the personal shielding of the board being present at this point. I thought that was something that was developed later in their evolution, but I guess not. Yeah. 
I guess not. Early now, on. My next issue I had was why was the phasers able to cut through this ship so fast? Uh, I'm trying to remember back to the scene. When they it, had him in the tractor beam? Yeah. When they had an Enterprise in the tractor beam and he fired phasers and but 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 also I think we need to look at the other side of the equation. This is the Federation's first introduction to the Borg, but also this is the Borg's first introduction to them. So there's going to be some things about the Enterprise or about their ships that they haven't learned yet. So I'm thinking maybe that's it. Did they well, find if you I if you just that. downloaded all of the information from their ship? I don't like, think they downloaded all the information. They didn't say that they downloaded all of it, did they? They were attempting well, to do something. They were attempting to, right? Well, I mean, they did it. They didn't stop them. Yeah, true. Hmm. So they got what they were in. And I mean, if I were the Borg or anybody, like the first thing, first bit of information I thought they would gather would be tactical information. Good point. Good point. But again, they're interested in the technology. So right. I don't know. Good point, though. I definitely, I definitely see your point. But there. also. I liked the fact that we went into the incubation chambers, which I don't think they actually called it that in this episode. Yeah. But that was cool. It kind of set the right now. I think they kind of assume that all Borg are born and yeah. they don't really understand the assimilating part of it yet, which is pretty True. cool. Yeah. True. Cause they never just... make a reference to where they come from. They just said, you know, it's a hive mind. So, yeah, good point. Which still, I mean, I was impressed that they mentioned the hive mind early on. You know, yeah. that is establishing something huge that they have this shared consciousness. That is like a high minded concept. And when I think of the Borg and I think of other, you know, enemies that we've seen on, um, you know, the various Star Trek shows, it's awesome to see this one incepted or developed and actually grow so much you know this is the foundation of it and it's just you know fascinating to see how they build on this through you know for me to the end of voyager to you know some of the movies as well so you know everything in this episode i think that while it might not be a hundred percent of where it goes i think it's a good foundation it's just so many high-minded concepts you know it makes me think of what the the show writers were listening to what ideas were they getting from other science fiction to where they thought of something so high minded that this race of, of beings were hell bent on acquiring any and every type of technology that can help further their race. And really I'm going to read right here. I love what, what, what Guinan and Q explained to Picard again in all their arrogance. <laughs> The Borg are organic and artificial life. The ultimate user, not interested in political conquests, wealth or power as you know it. They're interested in the technological advancement of their ships. And it's kind of as simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> the Borg. yeah. <clears throat> hmm. Do we know if there was like around this time, was there any other sci-fi show that presented the same like concept in a species, you know, or is this just all Star Trek? Like, is did their writers come up with this just like out of thin air? I really can very good question. Think of anything, and I, I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot of '80s things that could be come close. Like Terminator is somewhere, you know, could be, but it's not hive mind. But as far as the aesthetic, I guess sentient robot. I don't know. <laughs> as far as purpose, now as far as hive mind goes. <clears throat> What I'm about to say is absolutely 
not you know the hive mind but yeah. but as far as a central purpose as far as would you, let me let me ask this question Jonathan would you agree that it is the purpose of the board to be the dominant and or only form of life in the galaxy or the universe uh not necessarily I, I I think I mean I'm so if we're basing that if I'm gonna answer that question based off of what we know up until this point then yes but if you go into like seven of nine timeline you kind of learn when she's when they're talking about the Omega directive like the board like that was their primary goal at one point was to to stabilize that molecule because their ultimate goal was pure perfection. Yeah. It, it really didn't matter if they were the dominant species or not. They just wanted anything that could improve themselves to make them perfect. Now if that involved killing every human being on planet earth. They'll do it. If they thought one piece of technology would bring them closer to their perfection. Got you. Right. Uh, but, but Cal, I'm sorry. Uh, no, 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 you were fine. Where I, where I was ultimately going with that was, Similar, I think, and maybe not overallness of of the character, but the Daleks from Doctor Who share some similarities as far as the uh, Borg, in my opinion. Yeah, and and honestly, I'm gonna walk back some something I said earlier because I said maybe not so much in DS Nine, but let's be clear here: DS Nine and Captain Cisco as a character is predicated off. Wolf three, Wolf three five nine, <laughs> yes, and Lakutis of Borg uh, being instrumental in you know the killing of of his wife. So yeah, maybe while we don't see them pop up in an episode, and I might be remembering wrong, maybe they do appear in one episode or two of uh, Deep Space Nine. But they are very similar to the the onset and the motivation of. Um, commander cisco in in d space nine so yeah they do they do still play a prominent role there as well maybe not so up front but definitely there you could loosely say the commander cisco we love was formed by the borg very yeah. well said hardened <laughs> yeah i like it wow so again like i think this episode is all about the federation picard the optimistic federation uh, as Picard puts it, uh, Q may have did the right thing for the wrong reasons, a kick in their complacency. And that, I think, kind of <laughs> sums up the episode. Uh, definitely definitely a, a, a kick in their arrogance and, you know, maybe brace for something, uh, even something they couldn't even imagine. Um, and of course, we have there uh, Q being very prominent in this episode, being you know, as Picard puts it, the, the next akin to chaos in this episode and, and being his fun, usual self, I will admit, I love the scene on the bridge kind of at the end where they were kind of breaking that, breaking down what just happened right before, right after, um, excuse me, that Q pushed them back to their normal position in space where he was kind of like, uh, teleporting around. <laughs> I thought that was real, real fun into the episode. And yeah, um, let me just go around and just get before we wrap this up. I think I've kind of went through all my notes. Just any last thoughts or wrap on the episode from you guys, and then we'll head on out of here. Okay, so I actually have two things. Number one, 
when I was doing some research last night for this episode, one of the things I came across was part of the reason why the Borg was created was because the Ferengi were supposed to have been the new big bad for the Federation. But after from paper to video and to on screen, it was seen that they came across too comical as we know them to be and that the Borg was a replacement for what the Ferengi were supposed to be. And originally they were supposed to have a reptilian look, but that didn't happen because of budget constraints. So I, I thought that was really interesting. My other comment um, was regarding, we've often said about the serialized nature of you know, discovery as compared to what this was. But the more we go back and the more we watch these episodes from The Next Generation, there was some serialization going on even back then. Look at the character that we were talking about that spilled the hot chocolate. She had a character progression that progressed over several episodes in this particular season. So I think we had it. I Maybe just... We just don't remember it as well as we do, you know, because it's been so many years. It was definitely right. much more subtle, much more subtle um, weaving of episodes, definitely. Oh, so, yeah. So, so those are my two things. Cool. Um, I got a couple of things I want to bring up. Something I really loved, I think my most favorite thing about this episode was this little quote that Q gave Picard at the end. And I just Googled it because I wanted to read it word for word and it says if you can't take a little bloody nose maybe you ought to go back home and crawl under your bed it's not safe out here it's wondrous with treasures to satiate desires both subtle and gross but it's not for the timid like (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) that and just picard's expression after he said that was priceless like and I don't know if that may have been a, I wouldn't say a turning point, but I definitely think that may have altered the way Picard approach future situations when dealing with unknown, you know? Yeah. I mean, getting that kick in the teeth, it, <laughs> it <laughs> definitely makes you be a little more cautious. You know, it's just like you, you um, see these animals that are enclosed by these invisible electric shock collar fences. So, so once they get a little closer to, sorry, Peter, 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 people, <laughs> but you know, once they get a little closer to the edge, they start to be like, oh, I might, you know, approach a little bit slower because I don't want to get shocked again. And definitely, I do think that this is one of the reasons this episode is on the list because it does in some way influence how Picard approaches things going forward now are those um changes um overt or are they more nuanced i think they are more nuanced but you have to say that something like this would influence how he would uh, approach approach things going forward and you know maybe just chop down that arrogance just a little bit yeah i I, you know picard has always been i don't know i guess you would say the most arrogant of the captains and I don't think he was purposely that way. It's just the way he was, the way he has been, always to me. And it just like the instance when he ran into Sonya in engineering. And, you know, that whole situation was like, <laughs> I'm the captain. How dare you? Yeah. You know what I mean? But he wasn't yeah. ruled that way. But that was the 
vibe you were getting. Yeah. And I know as the series progressed, that tones down a lot and he becomes more personable. But oh, see, I I see. I totally saw it the totally opposite way. I felt him as uncomfortable, but but yet they were gushing over him because it was the captain. I felt more uncomfortableness from him, not as a arrogance. Hmm. I just thought he wanted to say, you're all fired. (laughs) (laughs) But I can't do that, so I'm going to withdraw. Oh, man. Yeah, such a a good episode when I think about it. Again, like, it's one of those episodes that it wasn't really like we had a real resolution. But the resolution was, you know, um, you got some stuff out there that you really need to prepare for. And, you know, as he and Guinan had that last conversation, um, you know, you're going to have to, uh, work toward this and get off your high horse and, and realize there are other things out there even more intriguing and maybe even hostile. Um, that, that, that everybody's not friendly. Everybody, <laughs> everybody isn't going to fall into that Starfleet mantra of first contact and, you know, uh, let's have this formal meeting. There are some vicious things out there. Uh, as you know, as we, they will know, they, you know, they know the Klingons, they know the Romulans. So, you know, this isn't outside of their realm of possibility. But, you know, after you've de- dealt with the Klingons and dealt with the Romulans, y- it's hard to imagine there's something more sinister out there. And this is what Picard, Picard it gets the realization of in this episode. All right, guys, we're ready to wrap up. I'm going to go around the horn real quick and see what everybody is working on podcast related or otherwise. It could be something you're watching, something you're interested in. Um, doesn't really even have to be about, you know, um, popular media. It could be about anything. So I'm going to start with, uh, Kyle Jones, man. What are you working on podcast related or otherwise or watching or anything? All right. Well, I will mention, since I've mentioned it several times uh, throughout this review, if you're a fan of Doctor Who, you can catch Clarence and I, as well as our friend Lee Shackelford, on Discussing Who, and that can be found at DiscussingWho.com. All right, Jonathan Shorts, man, what are you working on, podcast-related or otherwise? Uh, nothing, man. Not much of anything. I must say, I think I mentioned last time, our last episode, that I was... Uh, watching Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. And I have completed Game of Thrones. Wow. <laughs> and I will be canceling my HBO. No. <laughs> Immediately. I, I have to go against the large portion of people saying that the ending sucked. I actually loved it. You, you know what? I think, you know, I think it's the binge versus the people. Because you got to realize, if you're watching that show as it came out, excuse us if we have a Game of Thrones rant here, people. Uh, you have to realize, like, when that show came out, as you had to wait uh, year after year, this last season we waited a year and a half for. So I do, do uh, think you have the distinct advantage of being part of the binge. And, you know, being part of the binge, you missed the weekly speculation or as in this last case the yearly year and a half speculation of what would happen in the last season the build-up the theories the fan whatever that you know played into our thoughts fears and expectations of the last season so yeah man that's definitely where the binge comes in at the huge advantage 
Yeah, to give you an example, uh, I had a group of people that I work with. We got to work 30 minutes early and had a powwow on Monday talking about what happened on the, the last season of Game of Thrones each week. So That's awesome. Wow. <laughs> so I guess that's probably why I'm such a big DS9 fan. Because I never watched it like when it was airing. But like I watched DS9 on a box set DVD. That was the first time I went through it. And every time since then, it's just been a binge. Wow. Well, that's a beautiful series to watch, to binge watch. I'll say that. Or most yeah. of the Star Trek series for that matter. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But anyway, that's all I've been working on. So and now I have nothing to watch. So I'm going back to Star Trek all day, every day. So what about you, Clarence? Oh, man, I'll just say if you want to check out anything that I'm working on, podcastly or otherwise, please go to DiscussingNetwork.com where you can check out all my discussing shows that I'm on. But also, if you are into audio serials, audio stories akin to old radio dramas, but this is an updated podcast version of a sci-fi serial hosted by co-host on Discussing Who, Lee Shackelford. Check out the Relativity Podcast, written and produced by Lee. I'm a voice actor on it. I play a character called Marcus Dupree. Definitely check that out. It's a lot of fun. I think you will love it. And we are ramping up for the last season. So, yeah, definitely check that out. Get caught up. And, yeah, that's pretty much all I have, guys. So I want to throw it out to people listening. Um, I want to say that I'm thankful for the feedback we got from our previous episode, Conspiracy. You know, all feedback isn't going to be positive, but, you know, I love to hear what people have to say because maybe it can get us to see a point of view of the shows that we're reviewing that we um, aren't, aren't, you know, aware of or aren't paying attention to. And definitely when you look at a show that's special effects in this instance uh, that were around what uh, in the 80s, they're going to be different. And it's kind of, you know, we can be harsh on that sometimes. And that's just us being, you know, youngsters. Are we youngsters? I'm not a youngster. I'm almost 40. But, <laughs> but you know, you, you know, you see the, the flashy and the new stuff from today's series. And it definitely, um, I guess, spoils you in a sense. And, you know, uh, I, I hope any of the harsh uh, reactions or views that we give isn't being mean or super uber negative. But it's all out of love because we definitely love this property. And again, like, thanks for that feedback. And if anyone else wants to send feedback about what we are talking about, what we got wrong, we definitely want to hear about what we got wrong because we want to correct. And we are all here for the fan interaction. Check us out at Discussing Trek on any of the social medias at discussing trek you can catch us on facebook twitter instagram even check us out there leave your feedback and also send feedback into fans at discussing trek.com all right guys well we thank everyone for joining i thank my co-host for being on this panel and until next time guys live long and prosper Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe.
If you enjoyed this podcast, you may also like Relativity is an audio drama serial about two people, a woman on earth and a man in space, struggling to remain connected, to help one another through life and death situations. Their only link across the vast emptiness of the cosmos is the sound of each other's voices. Find out more at relativitypodcast.com. Relativity. And I feel like I'm talking not even nothing because I'm in a hosting voice and I'm not talking like my normal clearance voice and either you guys get down. Sorry. <laughs> clearance has been assimilated. <laughs>